I was in Santana Row, if you've ever been to Santana Row down in San Jose. And this was, I don't even remember, probably four or more years ago. And I was seated, um, kind of can see where those, uh, those chairs and tables are underneath those bushes. There's a trellis in place there that helped those, uh, those vines grow in that particular shape, uh, growing up and out. And underneath that, as they had planned, there was uh, some shady spots. It was kind of a warmer day. And after I had spent quite a bit of time in the shade of those vines, I stepped back over um, and took that picture. And I ended up, it was just kind of a, treated myself to kind of a half day retreat of just being quiet. And that was a beautiful spot that God led me to. And I, I journaled a few things um, while I was there and a little bit after. And this is part of what I, I journaled. A vine-covered trellis was my landing spot for a day of retreat. I sat in the cool morning shade of its leafy canopy. The obvious to me characteristic was that the vines were closely wrapped around the structure, beginning at the base, circling the posts, then splaying out to form the roof. From the very beginning, someone saw to it that the growing vines had something to wrap around to hold on to. Without the structure, the surrounding bricked patio would have been flooded by a jungle of vines. Structure. I've spent most of my life loathing the thought of structure. Don't fence me in, give me space and options and room to explore other possibilities. But without some form of structure, I become a wild jungle. If left to grow without any guidance, I do little more than tangle the feet of those trying to make their way through life. I need something sturdy and strong to wrap my mind around. So as I was sitting there, um, just making some of those parallels and jotting those down, that thought came to mind as I was putting together a while back this acronym that we've been using for growth. Um, grounded in God's uh, narrative, grounded in God's story, rooted in love, um, an orchard of community, winters of pruning, and today, trellis of practices. So what do I mean by a trellis, and especially in a spiritual context? Well, a trellis is an intentional pattern of practices that shape our attitudes and behaviors and produce a certain quality of life and character. I'm going to say that again, and I'm also going to put it in the chat feature. Um, so you can look at it, read along. A trellis is an intentional pattern of practices that shape our, our inner attitudes and our behaviors and produce a certain quality of life and character. So to use that bigger habitat theme, a habitat conducive for growth and vibrancy is supported by the structure of a trellis of practices. Now, I don't know what your current trellis looks like, but I have news for you. You do have one. You already have in place uh, a framework, a schedule, a pattern, a series of habits that have led you 
to the exact spot that you are in right now. You have a structure that has shaped you into the person you are today. Now, maybe it was an intentional structure, maybe not, but you are the result of those choices and those patterns. Um, we don't arrive at a certain place in life by accident, um, but uh, we are the product of our attitudes, choices, longings, behaviors, and beliefs. Those things have shaped us up until now. So um, look around you, not physically necessarily, but just think about your life. How healthy is the environment of your life right now? How healthy is the environment in which you live, work, and play? Now, I'm not saying how safe are the circumstances. I'm talking about how healthy are you in whatever environment you find yourself in. The current health or unhealth of your habitat is the product of your habits and choices. Now, think about it like this. Habits help us function in ways that we don't have to think about it. Uh, for example... It is a blessing to you and to those around you if you have established the habit of hitting the brakes when you approach a red light. That's a really good habit. That's something that it's helpful if you don't have to think about it. Um, it would be very detrimental if it was not a habit and you had to take very much time in thinking about whether or not you were going to stop or if you were going to hit the gas and run through it. Habits come in handy for those moments when you don't have time to think about how you will respond. Back to Steph Curry. Steph Curry has established a habit that he is able to catch and dribble or shoot without having to think about it. It's, it's, it's instinctual for him. You don't see him get the ball on offense and then pause to ask his opponent uh, to, to ask his opponent, hey, could you give me a minute to think about what I'm going to do next? I'm just, uh, hold on. Um, and he holds the ball and, um, and he's thinking to himself, do I go left or right? Should I, should I dribble? And if so, what, which hand should I start with? Can I, can I shoot from where I am or is my defender too close? Uh, Draymond, do you have a ruler? I, I kind of need to measure the space between me and the guy guarding me. Um, and I want to take into account his height, his arm span, his jumping ability. Oh, the shot clock just expired. So well, maybe next time down the floor. Okay, that's not how it is. Curry is able to make a split second decision based on instincts that were shaped by thousands of hours of practice and repetition. We establish healthy habits through practices that transform us by the renewing of our minds and as transforming individuals, we find that we are able to make healthy split second decisions as a result of habit transforming practices. Now, the Bible gives us um, just from beginning to end, we have examples of people who grew along a trellis of practices. And those trellis of practices included things like prayer and studying and dwelling and meditating on scripture, um, living life in community uh, of worship, 
uh, we see practices of things like uh, solitude or fasting, memorizing scripture. We see a, a kind of a, a long, there's no way we could come up with an exhaustive list, but we do see some practices repeated quite often. And, and these were intentional. People put these in place for the purpose of growing up to God and out towards others. Um, I'm thinking of people like Daniel. In Daniel 6, it says, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. A part of his trellis, a part of his structure was three times a day to give thanks to God. But what kind of what kind of a life did that produce in him by setting aside time? This is a practice that he engaged in day in and day out. These were the practice shots that he took so that he was ready to live with gratitude and joy for those split-second decisions. Um, we read in Psalm 55, this is one of the times that David describes how he had set patterns for meeting with God. Psalm 55, 17 says, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He's, he had those set times. There's another place in Psalm 119, um, 164, where he says, um, seven times a day, I come before the Lord. He didn't have a watch to set an alarm, but somehow he set aside time throughout the day, seven times, where he was just going to kind of press pause and bring his thoughts back to God. We read in Acts chapter 3 um, about Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples. And it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. In other words, there was a set time where people came together to pray. And Peter and John had that as a part of their trellis of practices. Whatever we have going on, we're going to stop what we're doing at three o'clock and we're going to join other like-minded friends for this time of prayer. And just as an aside, why three o'clock? Well, they did this very spiritual practice based upon a very um, worldly schedule, to be honest. Um, they set times of prayer and singing in scripture um, based upon first century Roman practices. It became a very um, a deeply rooted Judeo-Christianity form of fixed hour praying, but uh, they did it according to the freedoms that they found in the structure of a Roman business uh, day. A bell sounded at 6 a.m. to begin the workday. It sounded again at mid-morning at 9 for a break. Um, and it was during those times that Christians said, okay, we're going to use this break for prayer and listening to the reading of scripture. And then the next three prayer times for the day took place at the noon meal at three o'clock when they returned to work. So in other words, if you pick this up, they took a three hour lunch. I, maybe a Roman business day would be my kind of thing. Um, uh, and then at the closing of the work day at six, there'd be bells that were sounding in each of these and at each of these times, they would say, this is our reminder to, in the midst of our work, to remember God. This was a scheduled part of their day. This was one of their trellis of practices. Jesus himself established rhythms, uh, a trellis of practices that he carried out on a, on a regular basis. Uh, we read several times in the Gospels, 
I'll read one of these. Uh, in Luke 22, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives to pray. This was his regular practice. When uh, there were times when people were looking for him, they didn't know where he was. And so the first place they would go was this, this garden setting, this Mount of Olives, because they knew that was a setting where Jesus would go and commune with his father. Um, I am my best when I'm planted along a structure that points up and then out. I am my best when I am living my life according to a trellis of practices that lead me up to God and out for the sake of others. It was, a, it was a warm day, like I said, when I took that picture at Santana Row, and I was drawn to that spot beneath the trellis because it provided shade. And so the application of that is not only do we grow up towards God, but we grow out for the sake of others. And I believe that as we grow out for the sake of others, we can expect that growth to be what draws people to us, to be refreshed in the shade of our presence because of our connection with God. So what does the particular up and out shape of your trellis going to be shaped by? What, what practices and how do you know what to, what to choose as a part of those practices? Um, I'm not saying that you should stop seven times a day or reset your schedule according to a Roman business day, but what are some of the, the ways that you would even know how to shape your trellis? Because your trellis and my trellis are not shaped the same. Your trellis and the, the trellis of other people, even in your own home, is not going to be shaped the same. And here's why. Um, your trellis will be shaped by two things, desires and reality. Your trellis is going to be shaped by two things, desire and reality. First of all, desire. Um, let's, let's look at, this is what I mean by desires giving shape to our trellis. Um, in Matthew 13, I want to put this passage in the chat for us to, uh, to read together. Starting in verse 44, this is one of several parables. This is one of several um, stories with a deep meaning and purpose buried in them that Jesus was telling, in particular, talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is found here on earth. So follow along with me. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And the point, again, of these two brief stories is this, to underscore uh, the fullness of life found in God's kingdom here on earth. It's, it's the life that you and I were created for. In these verses, Jesus is kind of saying, okay, you got to trust me on this one. You're going to love this new way of life, life in the kingdom. Once you catch a glimpse of it, once you get a taste of it, it will become what you desire above all other things. So it kind of leads us 
to answer this question, the shape of our trellis, to know how our desires are going to shape the practices that we engage in um, are kind of based on this question. How do I want to live so I can be who I am meant to be? How do I want to live so I can be who I am meant to be? A trellis is structured to accommodate your answer to that question. When we are living according to our God-given desires, we are encountering God's kingdom here and now. And more than merely holding on for heaven someday, we are encountering heaven on earth today. Because again, salvation is life, not just a ticket to heaven. It is salvation and fullness of life. It is vibrancy and growth here on earth. Earth is not just some test that you have to pass in order to go to the bliss of heaven. Jesus walked this earth and gave us examples of heaven on earth, how to make God's rule and reign known on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus modeled a life of compassion and kindness and strength and steadfastness and friendships and contentment and justice and peace and bravery and wonder. All of that is a part of this heaven on earth that treasure hidden in a field, that's the pearl of great price, the fullness of life in God's kingdom. And this is worth rearranging your life for. This is worth assembling a trellis of practices that lead you to live consistently and deeply in God's kingdom. What is the treasure hidden in a field that you would sell everything you have to obtain it. What is your pearl? And then along with that, how will your trellis fan out for the sake of others? And this is another way that each of our trellises is going to look a little bit different. See, some of you long for every foster child in Marin to be placed in a loving home. Others of you will have a trellis that fans out for the sake of others and because in a different way because you have a desire to bring justice and equality to broken systems. Or you have a desire to lead people to financial freedom or help people battling addiction or walking alongside someone who is suffering from mental illness. Um, maybe you desire for respectful and loving care to be shown to aging adults. Perhaps it's in you, to, you want to be a tutor or parent-like figure for kids falling behind in school. Maybe your up and out trellis for the sake of others is, is, is based on your desire to raise your own child to embrace their belovedness and to grow to make God's earth a better place. Desires play a role in identifying the direction that your life will extend out for the sake of others. But keep this in mind, without a trellis of practices, you cannot sustain supernatural acts of service. Without a trellis of practices, you will not be able to sustain a life of out after you go up. Up and out requires a supernatural work. More on that in just a minute. Um, I talked about this two weeks ago in Orchards of Community. 
we need spiritual friendships to help us um, when it comes to establishing and maintaining a trellis of practices. Remember I said this, the community will ask you, are you living in ways that are congruent with your desires? Or in other words, what trellis can we help you construct so that you grow in the direction of those desires? Do you have anyone or a small group of people in your life who will ask you questions like that? A quote that, that we've used before that, that you may be familiar with from other Sunday services. Um, maybe you've read Thomas Merton's book, Thoughts on Solitude. But Thomas Merton says this, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat. Ask me what I am living for and what is keeping me from living fully for that. He had a community of people around him that were asking him, what are you living for and what might keep you from living fully for that? Your orchard of community consists of spiritual friends who ask you what you are living for and how they can help you live fully for that. So your trellis is shaped by desires and um, your trellis is also shaped by reality. We've got to be honest about some things. Um, this isn't just dream it and you can do it or be it, all right? Assembling your trellis takes into account your current life realities because the realities of your life are in constant motion. That means that the trellis is going to not only be unique to you, but your trellis needs to be flexible. So for those of you that hate the word structure, um, this might be the best word that you've heard so far, and that's flexible. Um, but we need both a unique and a flexible structure um, because we're at different places of growth, uh, because we yearn for different adventures. But um, we have to keep in mind that um, a trellis of practices is spiritual because it is infused by the work of the Holy Spirit and a life lived closely to Jesus. Remember, we're wrapping ourselves around Jesus. That's what these practices do, is they pull us close to him. But a trellis is very earthy and realistic because it takes into account things like your personality, your season of life, uh, sin patterns, longings, and any areas in which God is actively stretching you. Assembling a trellis of practices takes into account those things that are real and right now can't be changed. In other words, um, if you're a parent of, of a young child, um, you might not be able to delve into certain practices like solitude and silence, at least not like an empty nester could. Or um, let's use an, an example that a lot of us can relate to right now. Um, we could uh, just, the circumstances of our current pandemic there are certain communal practices that are nearly impossible at this time. So ask yourself, what's possible given your current reality? Because if you were a parent of a young child, you have the unique opportunity maybe to observe what's going on and, and deepen your understanding of being a child in God's presence. Or maybe during this, this pandemic when community is such a hard thing for us to, uh, to figure out how to live without, 
uh, when physical community is impossible or unwise, could you embrace a practice such as silence or scripture meditation? When you're working from home, suddenly, <laughs> can you accept the newfound avoidance of traffic as an invitation to the practice of slowing? You can be sure of this, that God comes to you every day, regardless of circumstances or whatever may surprise you. The most spiritual life you could lead is the one right where you are. It's so easy to think, if I had that person's schedule, um, when I have more financial freedom, when we get on the other side of this pandemic, but the reality is right now is the best time for us to experience the most deeply rooted spiritual life, the most, um, the, the most meaningful encounter in that field, that, that pearl of great price. So our trellis of practices is shaped by desires and it's shaped by realities. But don't miss this, the trellis is not the goal. Your goal is not to make it to the top of the trellis. Your goal is to remain continually wrapped around Jesus, his life and character. As your life is wrapped, literally formed around Christ, you are encountering the kingdom here and now. Apart from ardently following Jesus, from passionately pursuing him, a trellis is nothing more than a self-help program. This is where we differ as followers of Jesus. The key to intentional trellis-supported growth is that continual attachment of yourself to Christ. That attachment to and connection with Christ is always the primary goal. The greatest desire we have is to be with God. Now, that may or may not be a desire you yet recognize, but that desire for God is at the core of who you are because that is at the core of why you were created. God created you, God created me to be in a vibrant relationship with him because he wants to be in a vibrant relationship with us. So if your practices, if your trellis of practices increases your knowledge, but does not connect you with God, it's fallen short. If it makes you feel better, but does not connect you with God, it's fallen short. If it leads to a noticeable change in your life, and yet does not connect you with God, it's fallen short. Journaling has been um, a spiritual practice, a, one of my trellis of practices for several years. I can fill a thousand journals, but if I've not drawn closer to God, if my love for God has grown colder rather than igniting my soul as an ember, then journaling may have made me a better writer, but it's fallen short of its intended purpose. And that is for me to connect with God and to become more like Christ. So what is the framework, the trellis that gives your soul something to cling to? What spiritual schedule, what spiritual pattern could provide a sturdy structure that actually frees you to grow up and out? 
This is not something that you're going to be able to answer at the spur of the moment. This is not something that I can say, okay, now write in the chat feature what your structure is going to be. Um, you're going to have to kind of pull back and think, what are my current realities? And what are my desires? And then what practices will help me to live that way? Who are the people that can speak into my life to help me live that way? And maybe the biggest question before you think about your trellis of practices is this. How badly do you want the life that God is inviting you into? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to arrange your life for what your heart most wants? Apparently, Steph Curry really wants to be the best shooter in the NBA. He's willing to arrange his life around those practices that will help him be the best shooter in the NBA. How badly do you want God's hidden treasure? How badly do you long for the pearl of great price? Last week, we talked about winters of pruning. We talked about there are some difficult times that we will go through, but even those times, those times that feel cold and dead, those times of pruning where letting go and being stripped away is the characteristic of that season. But God uses those so we can experience the fullness of his kingdom here and now. How bad do you want God's treasure hidden in a field? How deeply do you long for the pearl of great price, that kingdom life that he has for you?